I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything live call-in show. Featuring myself and... Josh Hart. Josh, what's going on, man? How are you feeling? I, I'm doing better than Nate Bjorkren today, so... Thanks. <laughs> feeling good? Doing great? <laughs> do, you think, do you think that's one of the worst hit pieces of all time? I, I think it's it... Brutal. It's like... I, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not appropriate. It's... Unless whoever... like It was reported all over the place, but unless they're really confident that heads are going to roll throughout the organization and not just coach Nate, they're deciding to never work with that organization ever again. It's like a crazy thing that I, that happened. Yeah. I gotta say, I mean, it's, um, it's one of those things where if you work in the NBA and you don't have connections, this is probably what happens to you. Like, I don't know how many connections Nate Bjorgren had, but like, if you had legit connections, this kind of stuff wouldn't happen to you just because they're afraid of, okay, if we go in on a guy like this to this degree then other people won't work with us or anything like that. But so what happens when you're a lone wolf, man. It's unfortunate. Would you take him back in Toronto? Would, would you still want Nate back in Toronto? I mean, uh, that's the thing that never made sense. Like, it seems like the Raptors guys who gave quotes about him at any point uh, ne- never really disparaged him. I guess there was that report of him being tyrannical in the clubhouse, but... I don't know. The Raptors organization doesn't. I didn't believe that one. That doesn't doesn't make any sense to me. I have no idea what any of these people think of besides of him, you know, being a good coach and them wishing him well when he went to Indy. So if the organization wanted him back, certainly I I feel like Nick Nurse probably misses having his buddy that they could like listen to Prince records in a wood paneled basement somewhere together. Mm. But I don't know. Do you think um, – well, I mean, first off, the Raptors still have that open spot. They didn't fill um, Chris Finch's spot. They, they didn't fill it. They just used it all year. They've dispersed it among other people in the organization, which has given younger coaches a chance to do more than the role, which is nice. Uh, it's kind of like a once one-time internship. But that role is still there. I do – I honestly, I feel pretty confident in them bringing him back. I don't really buy this a lot of this stuff. Um, at least it didn't really seem to be a problem in Toronto. I remember, you know – I. Yeah. You know, Big Flex, I interviewed uh, Fred Van Vliet shortly before the pandemic. And um, he was still wearing N1s at the time, no longer. He's a, now a Lee Ning man, okay? <laughs> in any case, yeah, we were drafting, like, just players to, to play on a 3-on-3 three three in the Raptors roster. And also we picked a coach, and the guy he picked was Nate. Oh, ahead of Nick, I got to say. He picked oh, that's interesting. Nate ahead of Nick. That is interesting. Obviously, that doesn't mean, he, you know, he prefers Nate ahead of Nick. But, yeah, I mean, you know. A lot of guys really enjoyed Ned. He seemed really uh, chill. He was uh, always very positive energy. His kids were always around, like wearing um, yeah. Kyle Lowry jerseys, running around the ACC. So bring Nate home, man. Seems like Indiana doesn't want him. That's fine. So it's a, but yeah. it's an absolutely like like a mental sort. Like it really blew my mind last week. Just really, yeah. like I couldn't. It felt like there was it was about another guy. <laughs> like it just I don't know. 
it felt rude. Like it, that's the thing. It, it actually was like, you know, he's so bad. We worry about him being embarrassed, and his embarrassment might lead him to be in a bad mental state. And it's like, come on, man. Like <laughs> yeah. at a certain point, it's like, you know, enough. You want to fire the guy? It didn't work out. That's okay. It's cool, oh, yeah. man. You can go into the issues of like, okay, he was hired because of this and that. Okay, fine. But like, this is yeah, it's a the, little too the hit, the hit piece is just so suspect. Yeah. Well, in any case, though, um, this is really Welcome the topic to the we're leading off with because uh, <laughs> that's where the Raptors are at this point, man. We got We got to talk about Nate Bjorkren <laughs> speculation because the playing tournament is done for the Raptors. They're not officially yeah. eliminated, but with one more. Nate Bjorgren win, okay? <laughs> or was one more Raptors loss? Uh, it's really a race to the bottom at this point. Um, the Raptors will be officially eliminated. It, it pretty much seems like the Raptors are going to stay in the seventh best lottery odds uh, because the the only two teams, you know, ahead of them in terms of uh, directly ahead of them in the standings are Cleveland, uh, Orlando, and Minnesota. Those three teams were all tied at 21 and 47. The Raptors are 27 and 41. That's six full games ahead of those teams. It's not possible to catch them. So the best the Raptors can do is where they currently are, and they have a two-game lead um, in the standings behind Chicago. I think the Raptors play Chicago one more time. But um, on like Thursday, right? I mean, does it matter? <laughs> No, I, I, I don't even mean to be rude. Let me like, look at Laurie Markkinen. Oh, God. No, we, we got Ken Birch, man. We got Ken Birch and uh, Freddie Gillespie. Cat Daddy Gillespie, as you called him. Cat Daddy Gillespie. Yeah. Um, they play, yeah, they play the Clippers. I think it's it's going to be... I'm hoping that uh, Sunday's game has import, import, that somehow the <laughs> Raptors versus Nate Bjorkren, you know that there are any significant stakes because I don't think that Nick nurse is going to let the team roll over potentially Kyle Lowry's last game as a Raptor um, losing to Nate Bjorkman, but Nate will need the win desperately. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be, it's no, going to be a good week. That's we met You know what though? I would say just, uh, yeah, listen, if that's going to be Kyle Lowry's last game, potentially as a Raptor, we got to set him off once again, maybe just have another fake funeral for Kyle. <laughs> Do you think? Well, do you think the Mavs game is really going to be the last game Kyle plays? Like, I have a feeling it's going to be the last game of the year, Cannon. I don't know. Like, the the Pacers game will have all of this weird import, and you could maybe like what happens if the Raptors play the Mavericks and Luka Doncic punches a few guys in the you know in the nads. (laughs) I just took that guy. There's there's a certain uh, there's a certain term that is uh, used. (laughs) that uh, yeah. has not been used for Luka Doncic for very obvious reasons here. Yeah, Luka, man, he's uh, he's he's really going to get suspended just for technicals alone. Yeah. And he, uh, he he just did the crotch punch, which I don't think he was, like, fully intentional. I think he wanted, because, like, it's that thing where you, like, slap down on a guy's arm, but he didn't realize that, like, Saxon was in his lap. So he hit him in the nuts. But, like, you hit him in the nuts, you hit him in the nuts. That, that You yeah. got ejected. And, and to be you, honest, yeah. I'm expecting... I'm expecting a certain term to be used, but I know it won't be. Of course about it won't it. be. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, people, the point of the show is you can call in, and you can call in to us live at 866-219-2758. Looking forward to hearing from the fans, um, because, listen, we are now in the last part of the season here. We've actually entered Summer League. We, we didn't get Summer League last season, because the NBA playoffs ran until September. So, no Summer League possible. But... Now the Raptors are pretty much done, and they're pretty much resting all their guys. Pascal Siakam just came out today in practice just now and said that he's day-to-day with his shoulder thing. Uh, he got some in- imaging done on his shoulder. He called himself day-to-day, which is, uh, okay, that's that's a first to see a player call himself that. But in any case, though, um, we've entered Summer League, and basically, usually what happens in Summer League is you have a bunch of random guys thrown together. They're not really running sets. The games don't fully matter. Uh, and what you're looking for is development from one or two guys. And those one or two guys, you know, are basically Malachi Flynn and Jalen Harris. Let's start with Jalen Harris. What what have you seen from Jalen, young Jalen? Um, Jalen's been awesome. Uh, the irrational confidence, um, 
I like the idea of him being a bench player piece for this team next year who's going to show up and gun um, in the second unit. I think that's totally a reasonable expectation for him, and I think he's going to fit well into the role. Um, yeah, it, it does. It seems I don't really know what he can do beyond, you know, go out and get a bucket, but I don't know. What else do you really need from a second unit that's been miserable in the half court? I yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm totally confident as a bench guy just yet, just because there's, like, so few games. Yeah. I th- I'm trying to make this mistake less, because I think anytime you see a new guy, you're like, okay, I'm going to be super positive about him. Like, I think the main mistake I made here was, like, yo, um, uh, Kim, like, Rodney Hood came in, and I was like, okay, I know Rodney's not good, but, like, can you give us six points? I'm like, I'm confident Rodney can give us six points, and he hasn't even been able to do that, so, like... But I, Rodney Hood's be been pretty snake bit. He's been pretty. Yeah. He's had like a tough season. I feel I feel badly for the guy. Hopefully he's able to finish that degree and I don't know get a job at Goldman or something. But he's been like it's I I feel I feel it's been tough for Rodney because he's been hurt like all season, like in and out of the lineup with mm-hmm. little uh, ticky tack injuries. But you you th- I think Jalen Harris with whatever offseason development and. I'd be surprised if he's. I think he'll be on the like the main roster and getting end of the bench minutes next season. They're not gonna like. There aren't really. Well, I mean, the thing is, he he they he's, got rid of all their two guards in the middle of the season, <laughs> so like he's gonna have some burn. Well, this is basically the same situation that um, Paul Watson was in last year, where he was on the roster, but it was a two way. And then, and then coming into the following season, he had to come through training camp and sort of win his spot to get a full time contract. And it's the same deal for, for Jalen. And the advantage he has is that he has this whole year of development. Now, the thing is, I don't really know what development you could have fully gotten from this year. And that's probably one of the things that hurts the most about this season is like you just didn't have it. Like there were game like in the in a regular G League season, you probably play like thirty, you know, thirty five games, playoffs, whatever. Like Jalen Harris put like nine. G League games, yeah. and it came in this matter like two and a half weeks. <laughs> like he got hurt for a little bit, then he came back, didn't look yeah. that good. Before that, he was like pretty good, scored like a twenty a game, showed some hops. But like, you just didn't don't have the regular development you do have. So like, I mean, when when I asked Nick about this, I was like, yeah, you know, what do you want to see from Jalen? He's like, I just want to see Jalen. Period. Like, I just I don't know him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's almost point. a stranger to me, you know. So, um, hopefully, he can do something. Because, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh it's, it's looking tough. So, what do you what do you think the answer for the like Malachi Flynn situation is going forward? Like, is it do you do you think that the progress that we've talked about in other times him being reliable leading the second unit is starting to show up? Because I think it's he's looked more in, increasing in confidence and competence when leading the second unit in the last couple of weeks. I I just I think it's I think he's capable of doing it. Like here's the thing, we just saw him lead the second unit. He was starting all these games with the second unit. The second unit was fully starting. It wasn't like he was out there setting up Pascal or like setting up Fred or anything like that. They were all out. So Malachi was in the starting unit with these other guys. So of course it is an adjustment to get going off the bench. But I do think that like yeah, if he comes, you know, off the bench, like he has the ability to do it. I think really just seeing him of late. He's got to get into the paint. He's got to touch the paint. He's got to be more patient there and wait for the roller to present itself. Because I think a lot of the times that, that that's probably what is going to be the most effective move is him playing pick and roll. But it's it's not as effective when, when he just, like, you know, dribbles and pulls up. Because, like, his pull-up shooting is fine, but it's not, like, going to be conducive to great offense. And mm-hmm. if there's, like, 15 seconds left on the shot clock and you're getting a semi-open pull-up jumper, then that's not good offense for pretty much anybody unless you're, like, you know, anyone on the team, really. I mean, maybe Fred off a of pick and roll, maybe Kyle off a of pick and roll, but, like, I still don't even fully like that that much. So I want to see Malachi be more patient. Because I, I thought in the in the uh, the Grizzlies game, the second half, he was much better just by getting into the paint and being more patient. But um, let's bring our first caller. We got Chelsea from Toronto. Chelsea, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, so I just wanted to ask you guys a question. Um, there's been a lot of movement on the team this year, 
And I'm just wondering, uh, which rookie or new guy are you most excited about for next season? Uh, Will, you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's still Malachi. I think he's going to get the, the bench role um, next season if Kyle moves on. And I, I think he's shown, like, obviously by far the most flashes of the two other rookies. But, I mean, you know, Jalen Harris has some scoring chops. And then... Josh, what do you think about Freddie Gillespie, man? Are you confident in him as, like, a backup center? Um, confident in him, that's maybe going a little far. But he's looked energetic, excited, engaged. Um, he seems to look strong enough to be useful as, like, a utility big when needed. But the guy that I'm most excited for next year is Tyrese Maxey. I think he's going to be great for the Raptors. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah, why no, not? Um, we I mean, probably use that offense off the bench. The, let's be real. The Gary, the Gary Trent thing, like it, I don't know. It seems like the the book on him when he was first coming to the city is that all of the inconsistency, inconsistency of Norm um, is gone and defensive upside. And he's just he's been like incredibly inconsistent. Like he's what did he he shot like twenty times on Saturday? Like it's just I don't Five know. Twenty I, baby. I'm hoping that. I'm hoping that a year in the uh, of preparation, you know, joining the runs at uh, Rico Hines this offseason, like I think he's going to be the Rico Hines MVP um, for the Raptors this offseason. Seeing him, you know, out there, I don't know, probably like blowing past Derrick Rose or something in uh, cell phone footage will be encouraging. Mm. Um, and he seems like the number one uh, candidate to to impress that way this offseason, except for Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> Yeah. Did you um, see Max? Uh, uh, was it uh, Saturday? The no. Sixers. I don't. Looked- I don't like watching the Sixers. I don't know what it is. So it's just something like. Um, I don't know. They play defense it's hard. Pain. There's a it's lot pain. of like MB pull ups, but like, it just doesn't look fun to me. In any case, what, what, what did Maxi do? Let me let me know about our future. I think he was, like he went like tw- uh, twenty two, uh, two or three from three, five rebounds. Like he's. I I think he's really impressed. Anywho. Okay. All right. All right. Well, Chelsea, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. We have our next caller, uh, no Sophia problem. from Brampton. Oh, Chelsea. Hey, Chelsea. See you later. Um, we have our next caller. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Uh, Sophia from Brampton. Uh, to discuss Pascal. Sophia, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, you know, much. same old. What's going on? Yeah, I know. Lots. Lockdown season's never ending. Yeah, so I want to ask, what do you guys think Pascal's um, healing is after this season? I, I, I mean, uh, go ahead, Will. I think okay. So part of it is it's hard to evaluate based on this season. I really do think some difficult circumstances, obviously, with him going through COVID, that's going to affect the overall numbers. I think maybe you can parse out some of those. Honestly, I'm, I'm not even making this as an excuse, but I really do think you can throw out like a solid month of this year just between him missing games and then him coming back and clearly not being himself, right? Like past, and like Fred spoke about it. was like every game would come out strong in the first half and then third quarter we hit a wall physically, conditioning-wise. And it seemed like very true about him and uh, Pascal. So I think you can maybe throw that out. But I do think that there are some things that this season he's shown. Like, I think his playmaking has gone better than before making better reads in that front. But the, the concerning thing is the three-point shooting. I think if he doesn't get that three-point shooting to something more consistent, then it's really going to limit his game. Because what we're starting to see this season, especially, is just guys going under on screens a lot on him. And it's it's okay to... I mean, I mean it's not like I want Pascal to like primarily be a pull-up three-point shooter. I don't think he's going to be Kevin Durant. Um, but... I do want him to have that at least as part of his threat because it's just really hard to play pick and roll without a three point shot. And I do think that if you can't play pick and roll, then it's really hard to be like uh, just like a primary wing, a very effective primary wing. Then you probably have to play more as a big. And I think he's very good playing as a big. Don't get me wrong. But I also know that if you do play as a big, generally speaking, teams are going to send doubles. And then at that point, you kind of are a little bit. It's like it's not that hard for a really good defense to neutralize Pascal. And I thought that was true last season, and I still think it's true this year. So it's hard to judge based off of that. To be honest, I think he's probably like at eighty percent of his of his potential. So there is still room to grow, but I think mostly it's it's with the shooting. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, the thing I guess the 
playmaking improvement over the season has been exciting to watch. I kind of am curious to see how much further and how much better he can be there, um, especially as you know the team sort of goes forward with their three primary scorers and Fred, OG, and Pascal. That that will be the way the Raptors score baskets next season, um, and like OG um, unfortunately has not progressed in the leaps and bounds that nobody could expect him to make as a playmaker. But if you're able to reliably see um, Pascal and Fred make the right pass at the right time and um, pass out of double teams or when they're driving toward the basket, I think that will be a thing that helps the team go next season. So yeah, the three point shooting, it's like this year was like a massive aberration Um, or not a massive aberration. It was a significant drop off and, Mm -hmm. um, Hopefully that looks sort of more stable, but if he's able to progress as a playmaker, I think that he unlocks more for himself and for this team. Yeah. I also think that his decision-making could get better, though. Oh, sorry to interrupt. Just, like, just his decision-making in general in in crunch time. Just slow down just a little bit and (laughs) don't always go into charges. (laughs) But Shout-out to Russell Westbrook. He, like, saw that from a mile away. Well, that's because Russ knew, man. Pascal's about to do his move. (laughs) (laughs) He would know. Anyway, uh, Sophia, what what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say that a lot of people are trying to manifest OG as a new number one option. Like, Mm. I mean, I'm a number, I'm like the number two OG fan after Emma J. Brown on Twitter. But I don't think that OG's there yet. And I think, and I feel like people are under evaluating Pascal. I agree with you. I agree. I, it just it's it's such a big jump, and I think to anyone who's watched Pascal make this exact same jump, you know how hard it is to go from being the focus, like just like a secondary guy, to becoming the focal point of the offense. How many okay. double teams has OG seen? Like you know, the last game I saw him play, which was Denver, he actually started drawing some double teams, and that was cool to see. And OG's a very willing passer, so maybe that part of it, it won't be as big of a transition. But just, like, being number one option is, like, really, really, really difficult. It's going to hurt your efficiency. It's going to force you to come up with counters. And we haven't seen that as consistently. As much as I've looked at OG very closely this year, and I've really looked at his progress. And one thing you would say from this year is, like, okay, well, he's developed a bit of a post game. You know, he's got the, the, the little turnaround jumper once in a while. He's made, like, 10 jumpers in the mid range all season. Okay. Just, you know, we just have to be cautious about this thing. Cause I think what happens is if you put too much expectation on a person early, then they don't meet it. Then you get, then they get crushed by it. And then you get another Pascal situation. And like, do, I think we're right now in a great space with OG. Everyone loves him. Everyone's excited about him, but like, you know, we can do that. Like with, with, you know, with, within a, a certain um, set of expectations. Uh, at, and, and at least until his skill set continues to improve, which I think he's developing quite quite well right now. I don't I don't know necessarily we need to like flip the roles at the moment, but yeah. that's just me. So, all right, thank you, Sophia. Have a great yeah, day. Sure. No problem. Have a every day, guys. Bye. What's going on, can OG, can OG come back? I yeah, I know. Like, I just, I, he, he was like the main reason to watch, man. <laughs> yeah, he was doing something in, incredible every night. And then, mm. I mean, not no disrespect to the rest of the guys, but it's just been yeah. a bummer. Um, we have friend of the friend of the program, friend of everyone. We have Iman on the line. Iman, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Um, We're doing I'm a lot doing better it. after reading your piece on tanking. Finally, we got a sensible take on tanking. <laughs> Thank you. It was so funny because as I was writing it, I saw your your thread and I was like, well, that's perfect. Like, I'm here I am writing 1,500 words and here Will is with three tweets. That summarizes everything that I'm saying in just such a better way. This is the reason you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. Um, no, but thank you. Um well, okay, so here's the thing. Sophia, great question. Pretty much what I was going to ask. I wanted to talk about what you guys thought OG, I mean, not OG, Pascal Siakam should add in the offseason. Um, and and I agreed with the three-point shooting. I also think, you know, a tighter handle would be nice. Decision-making, everything you guys sort of 
pointed out and mentioned their playmaking. Um, but my that's a lot. Like, Wait, hold on. That's a lot. I We're just like, all right. So you basically went to the basketball skills buffet and you were like, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he just needs to change his game entirely. Uh, yeah. No, I, three point shooting to me is number one. Is number one on the list. Um, and I, I mainly said I, we recorded dishes and someone asked a question. So I'm literally stealing from from content we had. But um. Uh, my my uh, response was three point shooting just so that I can have something over Giannis. Like I just need ammo um, at this point, and he's just not giving it to me because he can't he can't do anything off the dribble. He not even catches you. Like he's and he's gotten better at it. The season has, has progressed, but um, I mean you guys are the ones who said blanking and decision making and all that other good stuff. So which I do. Well, it's, my next question yeah. is to the other guy, Fred VanVleet. So I'm of the belief that Kyle Lowry's not going to be here next season. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I guess. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he's one. not. He's gone. Um, yeah. Oh gosh, I'm so sad. Yeah. Um, especially because that last game against Indiana might be at like noon, so I'm probably not going to be able to watch it. But um, what do you think that Fred VanVleet or Malachi Flynn need to sort of add to the game as the Raptors are going to lose their best playmaker and their their starting point guard? Uh, well, I think. Um... Lewis, Lewis Atzman from uh, Raps Public asked a really good question um, to Nick after the Grizzlies game. And what Lewis noted was that, uh, well, not in the Grizzlies game, another one of these guys. I don't know. If, I don't think Fred played in that one. But one of these games, he asked them about Fred going to these different finishes. Like he, he, he did like a bank shot off the glass, a little push floater. And he asked Nick, is that intentional? Is that an intentional expansion of his game? And, you know, Nick didn't offer a lot of words on it, which is usually when he's trying to be secretive because you've actually hit on something true rather than something trivial. <laughs> something trivial, Nick will just give you like 200 words easily. But something true, he'll give you like two, three words. But um, yeah, and I think that is something that they're trying to expand with this game, just to improve the finishing. Because look, listen, Fred has never been like a super efficient scorer in terms of like just, if you look at anything, right? He's hit, he's a great three-point shooter. Uh, but when he goes to the rim, um, even in the mid-range, like that area is not um, nearly as efficient for him. And that's why his efficiency has always been around league average. This year, it's been lower than league average with the caveat that he did have COVID and that is a huge drag on the team. And I do feel like before he had the COVID and stuff like that, he was doing really well. But yeah, it's it's kind of undeniable. Like I, th- I do think for smaller guards, you need counters. I think with Malachi, he came into the league with a reputation of having a really good floater. Um, and we've seen that floater at times, but he hasn't really gone to it too much. To be honest, I'm actually very curious if like the Raptors and the coaching staff, in particular with Nick, what their philosophy is with floaters. Because I feel like that's a controversial shot for a lot of coaches. A lot of coaches don't like specific shots. and They just don't fully believe in them. And I really do wonder if Nick believes in the floater as like an efficient shot um, for guys in general. But uh, yeah, I mean, for smaller guys, they just need counters. And I think that you know, for Fred, like, even though he's really good at driving and then kicking it out, when he actually ha- does have to shoot at the basket, it, it's it's literally, like, at, at a level that's, like, one of the lowest in the NBA. So, thankfully, he passes out of a lot, most of his drives. He's been doing a lot more. All right. I mean, that's I, I just wanted to talk to you guys on my lunch. Um, wow. This is great. So, so um, thank you yeah, guys well, so much. Also, hey, Mom, what was for wait, lunch? What, what was for lunch? Question? Um, nothing because I'm fasting today. Oh yeah, of course. Which is why I have to enjoy enjoy your you know. <laughs> but um, my fast. Thank you, thank you. Yes. Um, it's it's been fun. It's all it's almost done. I can't believe Ramadan's almost over. But um, my last question is just about like tea because I'm not allowed to drink it right now. Um, what do y'all think about the New Yorker situation? I don't know if you guys were discussing it prior to me coming on. Um, how do you think that sort of bodes for Nick's? coaching tree that he has there like what what do you think about the whole situation the fact that like every coach from the coaching tree is um kind of has <laughs> credibly or uncredibly been uh, accused of being a big jerk i don't know i think that like it's hard, so hard to parse what is true in like a out and out hit piece um but it's like it's a mm-hmm. tough look for for Nick, it's a tough look for the coaching staff, but I don't know the the team's players have consistently said nice things about them publicly, um, and maybe Nate just failed at this job. Like it, and and that the that the failure there was not productive to 
um, his personality and it, it, it made some of his worst traits, it, it exacerbated them, which happens to lots of us. Like if we are in a stressful situation in our workplace, our worst habits and worst proclivities get um, magnified. Um, and the Pacers yeah. probably are not happy with the season they have had. Um, they, you know, have a pretty good, decent roster and have under underwhelmed and new coach, maybe a bit of a more like abrasive personality, those things like com- combining together, I don't know, sounds like, yeah, I can believe that things are blowing up in this phase. But what does that mean for Nick Nurse's coaching tree? Probably not that much, but it's tough look. It's, yeah, it's not it's not great. Will was, Will yeah. was joking that uh, Nate will be back with the Raptors uh, next season. Uh, I was well, yeah. kind of, Oh, he's was back, bro. Like, hey, let's see I, think, I, think, I think that probably means the same thing. Yeah, All right, one. you guys, thanks. Uh, gotta head out. This is fun. All right. All right appreciate All right. it. Peace. Adios. Thanks. All right. Yeah, this um, is a, it's, a, it's, it's a tough look for the Pacers in general. But I, I think, you know, honestly, to this subject, I, I really do think that this is probably the worst case scenario that could have possibly happened when Nick took over for Dwayne Casey. Do you know what I mean? Like, the same thing could have played out. And I'm actually, it's actually a bit of a miracle that it went the a complete opposite way and yeah, that it, it ended in the best way possible. And Nick Nurse got to create his own personal hat um, and uh, his own biography and his own book of gold book of shooting, um, which I just gave to my brother so he can work on his shot as well. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you know, this is a possibility. It, it, again, like we talked about this earlier, but it's just... When you don't have that many people in the league, this is going to be tough. But I do think that with Nick, like, it's so early in his coaching career in the NBA that, like, it's unrealistic to have a tree come out this quickly. As much, as much fun as it was, and it was true that it did happen. Like, like how many years in for Pop did people start hiring Pop's guys? Yeah. Right? Like, who was the first Pop guy that got hired? Like, you can argue kind of Steve Kerr, kind of with, like, with the Suns. And, you know, you can maybe argue, like, I think Mike Budenholzer was probably one of the first ones. Um, I mean, it depends. To be honest, a lot of players came out of the Spurs. So, like, if you want to say, like, Avery Johnson, like, technically that, he's, like, a Spur guy, too. But, like, that's still, like, at Mike least... Mike Brown was probably the earliest, uh, no? Yeah. But, like, even that, that's, like, that's like 10 years after Pop started coaching. Yeah. So, like, in the NBA level and having great success. So, like, to, for Nick to have that after, like, one or two years is, is pretty wild. So... It's unfortunate, though. Nate was kind of like the golden child, you know, for for Nick. And I'm sure he'll be uh, reunited. I mean, someone just asked him in the Zoom call today about... Asking uh, Nate? Or, uh, no, asking, asking, Nick. asking Nick about, you know, if you'll look to add to his assistant staff this summer with uh, Bjorkren and Finch gone. Nick said he's considering those with head coaching experience, longtime assistants, or internal promotions. So first off, anything, really. But... Uh, yeah, you know, he's anyone with uh, an Indeed.com account can apply. <laughs> if, if you know what, special consideration will be given to people who have been in a basement in Iowa with Nick Nurse circa 2011. Yeah, anyone who currently owns the nurse's pill ball in their house can <laughs> can apply. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I almost bought it, man. It's, it was like really? 70 bucks. 70 bucks, I couldn't justify it. And th- th- they had like three colorways. And only the the really basic like um, red, red, white, and blue America one is 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 available. And I'm like, I'm good. I don't I don't really want to be out here, you know, repping America like that. But would anyway. you play with it, or you just put it in your office? No, I would actually use it to like try to learn how to. I want to see if this thing's effective. To be honest, to be honest, I could just mark my own basketball at the point at this point with a sharpie and just draw a straight line. You know how the basketball has lines going one way, like the like latitude. You can just draw longitude in the middle. I guess the, the prime meridian. You just if you drew a prime meridian on the basketball, that's pretty much the Nick Nurse pill. Yeah, and you probably don't need to spend seventy bucks, but it is for charity. So if you want to get it, go get it. Anyway, uh, we're gonna bring in Raul from Toronto. He wants to talk about uh, Gary Trent Jr. What's going on? Oh, um, I enjoy you guys' uh, Raptors content. I just, um, I was thinking about Gary Trent Jr. But, um, so, he's been a consistent scorer for the Raptors in, like, you know, fourth quarters. And he, I feel like he can be a closer for this team, but he's going to be re- entering free agency. What if a team 
if the agency offers him a $20 million per season contract, do you think Toronto should, like, um, sign, like, match that type of offer or walk away? Um, I think that's that's optimistic. I really don't see a team out there offering Gary Trent $20 million. Um, and it, it honestly depends, because I think with a lot of these restricted free agents, like, sometimes they'll get offered big contracts, but it's like the poison pill contracts. You know, like the Nets used to do this with like uh, Alan Crabb and that other. Oh, uh, Tyler Johnson, who's weirdly on the team again. Um, yeah, so it depends because other teams can maybe do that, but it's that that's not even necessarily something that I see happening with Gary Trent. I, I just see that like it's probably going to be very close. I think he wants to resign with the Raptors. I think the Raptors want to resign him. They have a long time right now to negotiate. Essentially, I mean, even though it's technically illegal, but I mean, cl- clearly they negotiate before the moratorium starts um, on July one or whatever. And yeah, I think it, it's it. I don't I don't have a legitimate fear of, of a team offering twenty mil. I think there's like six or seven teams with twenty million available. And if I were those teams, like n- none of those teams are going to look at Gary Trent like that guy is going to fix everything for us, and we need to go all out because even if you do have 20 million in cap room, if you sign a guy to an offer sheet, that cap space is tied up for three days and three days in free agency is so huge. So I just don't see any team really actually doing that. But I think it probably comes down to like probably like 15 mil for, for Gary, like three years, 15 mil per. And I think it's pretty reasonable deal for both sides. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I think there's like no way he's not coming to Toronto. And I, I think I had the number at 16, um, or I guess, yeah, like an average contract value of 15. I think he's earned that look for the next few years. Like he has potentially potential to be the right kind of player for this organization. Um, and he's young and he has a ton of confidence and. Oh, he has confidence. I, like, I guess I'm okay with the Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr. backcourt going forward. It doesn't, it, I, I don't have any huge problems with it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, can I ask a second question, if you don't mind? Of course. Um, like because like um, I, okay. So based on the starting with uh starting lineup, the uh three players, if you take a large contract, it's seventy three million dollars. Do you think Toronto, if Toronto signs Gary Trent Jr., do they do you think they should consider trading like Fred Athlete during this offseason to get maybe like a pick or something? I know it's crazy, but I just wonder. No, I think I think they're they're if they if Kyle walks, then yeah, you're probably gonna need you're gonna need Fred to stick around. Not not only just because like I, I think it's not like Fred is untouchable and he's like you know uh, the franchise cornerstone and things like that. But I do think that like if you just look at the leadership of the team, like Fred is absolutely number two behind Kyle. And honestly, a lot of times Kyle's not even there. And Fred is probably like one A one B with with yeah. with yeah. Kyle Larry. And I really do think they need that. Plus, I just think that he's one of the most impactful players. I know, you know, you look at the shooting lines and things like that, and they're unpleasant to look at a lot of the times. I think, I mean, he's shooting like 39% on the season. That's just not great, even though obviously he takes a lot of threes. So field goal percentage isn't the best way to look at it. But, like, if you look at the on-off numbers, if you look at, like, the advanced statistics, like, Fred is one of the major drivers of Raptors' success. Um, And you don't have to necessarily look at that. Just look at how he plays defense. Like, he's one of the league leaders in deflections. He plays the game the right way. Um, and I, I mean, the Raptors just need some permanency at point guard. Like that's the point guard position is probably like the most important position in the NBA in, in terms of just like building a program. Yeah. And we had it for so long with Kyle and if Kyle walks, then it's gotta be Fred. So I don't really see Fred being moved to be honest. The contracts don't worry me, man. They're all most, yeah, they're all pretty good. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's I, I think that, yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's your core. It is. Fred, Gary, if he is, if it happens, Pascal OG, that's your core. But I, I don't think it's like the kind of core that you're stuck with. They're not like a millstone around the neck of the franchise. Like it's, those are just four professional NBA players who will be competitive for as long as you keep them together, barring significant injury. Yeah, it's not like they're, you know, you can um, mark them in pencil into the Eastern Conference Finals, but. That's not the way that you build a, a team unless you have the guy, capital letters on T and G, but they'll be fine. I think that's a good team. I think that's a good like core of your lineup. You have Ken Birch or if you're able to land an upgrade, which I think is totally within the realm of possibility. 
I think that's like a solid solid lineup. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks for right. the call, Raul. Peace. Okay. okay, let's go back to back. Um, let's go. We have Jay from Toronto to talk about Pascal. Jay, who do you think Jay is? John Tory? Is that your uh, guess? Come on, man. Don't slander our guess. Do you think it's Jay Cole? Jay Cole getting ready for your uh, professional basketball debut? <laughs> yeah, how are you guys doing? We're doing our, how are you, Jay? We're doing well, man. How are you doing? I like that. Um, uh, so I wanted to ask about Pascal. Um, so I just wanted to say, if Pascal were to be traded, like in the summer, who do you think? Which teams do you think would be first in line for his services? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a it's a valid question to ask for sure. I think honestly, a lot of teams would be in line for it. Um, first off, there's just not a lot of players like Pascal. Like I think a lot of teams right now have very talented perimeter players but they don't have a great interior player um like the suns for example like they have a really good set of wings but they don't really have that consistent interior score and i think when they go into the playoffs that's gonna be one of the major major issues for them because i don't think aiden is that guy he's more of a lob guy and he can he can post a little bit too but like i think the suns for example could really use a pascal Siakam. i think portland for example could really use a pascal siakam portland has only guards and Yusuf Nurkic, who gets hit in the face once a week, um, they need a guy like Pascal to go over the top. Golden State is the same kind of deal. Um, yeah. You can kind of go through the whole thing. Like I honestly think that there's gonna be a if the Raptors put Pascal on the market, which I don't think there's any indication they have. But like if they do want to look at their trade options, there's a lot of teams that could use Pascal's skill set because he's also done it as a number two option in the playoffs, and his skill set is just unique. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I don't. I think a lot of teams would be interested. As a fan of Pascal, I really wish uh, the Nuggets didn't trade for uh, Eric Gordon because I really feel like he would oh, could you imagine? Yeah, no, he he would turn that team into a championship team. Like if it was, even yeah. even with Aaron Gordon, honestly, like honestly, like that, that would turn the team into a championship team. Although I do think that like they do have a lot of forwards now with Michael Porter as well. But that team can play so big. Yeah. 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 Exactly. All right, that's all. Thank you, guys. All right, all right peace. Well, do you have a finals prediction? Like, do, are you? Do you think like Adam Silver is like desperately worried about a uh, Milwaukee Bucks, Denver Nuggets NBA final? Yes. I don't understand how a team. I don't understand how Adam Silver can act so broke about his league. Like, it, it's actually absurd. Because on one hand, it's like, yo, the Raptors have been more success, or the, the the NBA has been more successful than ever. Bringing more revenue, teams are going selling for like huge profits and things like that. When they do sell, like the Timberwolves are going to sell for two million or two billion, like that's ridiculous. But like, um, I don't know, man. Like it's just Adams. And then when you hear the reports, it's always like, oh, Adam Silver can't risk LeBron being in the play-in tournament. Oh, Steph Curry can't must make the play-in tournament. Or Zion Williamson, we made the play-in tournament for him. And, and but like. It's just kind of sad, really. Like, just like I don't want to see other leagues being so insecure about like if their product will sell unless one thing happens. Like, I mean, you know, we just looked at the Super League catastrophe. It was basically yeah, the like, same anxiety that teams that like our stars aren't making us enough money, and we need to make sure that they make us as much money as possible. Yeah, but the worry wasn't like okay, if we don't form the Super League, then the the EPL is gonna go under. You know, maybe no. for some of these other teams, they, like I think Barcelona and Real Madrid, they're like really worried about money because of the, the pandemic, and that's fine, man. The pandemic is the pandemic; like it's 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 like it's a global thing. These rich guys have to feel marginally concerned about their money for a second. That's good for yeah. you guys, but like, um, yeah, I mean, I don't just I don't I don't know. I just don't see the league commissioner being as like is I don't follow football. Is Roger Goodell always worried about? Oh, if Tom Brady doesn't make it to the the Super Bowl, then then no one's gonna watch. No, but that's because the NFL has this great parody thing where you get random teams in the Super Bowl all the time. Like, okay, we, like um, the amount like a couple years ago, the team in Charlotte was in the Super Bowl. Imagine the Hornets ever making the finals. Yeah, well, I mean, it's here's impossible. the but that's the that's exactly the point, right? Like that parody is built in. So they're cool yeah. with the parody. So parody yeah. means that there's a very high chance your stars don't make it to the end. Yeah. But people will still watch. Yeah. Because the, the guess, event itself and, and, will make the star. That's the thing. In order to make the next star, you got to sacrifice some stars not making it towards the end. 
Right? Like, Steph Curry wasn't a star until he, like, won to the championship and won it. Do you know what I mean? And then, from that point onward, Steph has been a star. Like, a superstar. Whereas, like, yeah, you can't just... I don't know, man. It's... Even Kawhi, to a certain extent. Kawhi was, was, like, obviously a really great player, and a lot of people respected him. But, like, until he made it to the finals and won the, won that stuff with the Raptors, like, he wasn't, like, a super, super, the, super... He wasn't the fun guy. No, he wasn't the fun guy. And he's no longer the fun guy, because... Uh, all I see is the Clippers losing to the to the uh, the Knicks. Come on, man! At least we at least we took the Knicks to the final buzzer, man. Come on. What did you think of that picture with Fred VanVleet and Freddie Gibbs? I like. Uh, I I didn't like the outfit Fred wore. He looked like a flamingo. <laughs> All right, we have Dara from Toronto on the line. Dara, welcome to the show. What did you think of Fred uh, Fred VanVleet's outfit uh, last Monday when they played the Clippers? Uh, hard to say. I don't know. Um, it's been such an up and down season that you know you cannot really say okay, one game can tell you a lot about what how how, did, how the whole performance was. It was okay, I guess. Um, but you know, it was I, I guess I, I want to look back at the Lakers game and be more happy about what happened in that game and say that's how we ended the season. But um, yeah, I think that past that point, what happened, Wizards. I think that was the end. Uh, at this point, we just all looking at the same picture and be thinking, okay, this is the future. Um, but I have a, a little bit of a different question than what uh, we were talking, you guys were talking about, and that's about, you know, the whole rebirth of the era of big guys in NBA. You know, we have Jokic mm-hmm. leading the MVP discussion. We have Joel Embiid. And, you know, we have all these big guys taking the major uh, role in the NBA scene. And unfortunately, we did not have the best experiment after uh, Serge and Mark leaving the team with getting you know, Aaron Baines, something we were all optim- more optimistic than what happened. Um, so my question for you two is, uh, you know, what would be an ideal scenario moving forward in the next season? Should, what, what should we look for in offseason in terms of te- team chemistry? Like, you know, Ken Burks has been promising, but he, I don't think he has that degree of size that Mark and Serge you know, provided us in the past to go off against, you know, these major big guys that they're driving their teams towards an NBA championship. So what do you guys see to be an ideal, uh, you know, scenario happening this offseason for Raps? Yeah, well, I mean, first off, I don't, I don't think they're going to solve everything in one summer. That's unrealistic. I think the Raptors are kind of, if you look at, like, the scale of, like, the timeline between when Masai took over in 2013 to when they won the championship in 2019, like, that's like a seven-year progress, a process. And they had to add pieces along the way and things like that. Like the Raptors in that in that time for reference are probably at. Well, I mean, I know where we're at. We're at the 2012-2013 season all over again. Uh, <laughs> and so you, you're you're at the start of the process. So you're going to need some time to build this. I think Kem is fine for them in, in the meantime. I think Kem is kind of like um, like kind of where Amir Johnson was for the Raptors. Like Amir Johnson was very good for the Raptors. Very serviceable. You knew that like at the very highest level that like you weren't going to necessarily rely on him. Um, and he he might suffer foul trouble. He might have some size issues, things like that, and some skill issues. But I think on the whole, Kem has been very productive, and they're probably going to re-sign him um, to, to, uh, and stick around. I, I'd be pretty happy with that. But I think I think your point is absolutely right on, man. I mean, we just saw it in the Grizzlies game, right? JV hurt the Raptors so much just down low, and JV's not even one of these like new age bigs, you know. I mean, like like Jokic, like Bam, like Anthony Davis, like he's not one of those guys. He's not Carl Anthony Towns. He's more of a throwback big, but again, just being big, being strong um, is a huge advantage in basketball. It always will be. The rim is always going to be 10 feet, no matter how far people shoot from and things like that. And, you know, I think there's still a huge role for bigs, especially now that you're seeing the skill set of bigs start to catch up to like um, the, the the demands of the position. Because every, everyone else had to become much more skilled to play the game. Base just, just used to be big and come into the game and play just based on their size. They can't do that anymore, but if you give the skills of a guard to a big, that, that's probably going to be the best players. Like you see with Julius Randle as well, right? So Pascal, to an extent, Giannis, like, these guys are bigs that just have some guard skills, and you see how easily they tear up the league. So I think that's still a, a position that the Raptors continue to look at for sure. And I think the Raptors value the center position. I know last season they didn't really pay for it. But, like, can we also be realistic about the fact that Serge Ibaka's played – let me just look up how many games Serge Ibaka's played real quick. Serge Ibaka's played 39 games this season. He's averaging 10, 11 points on, you know, 35% shooting from the, um, from the three, 50% shooting from the field. It's not bad. He's not rebounding very much. 
Um, but like, you know, it that's 39 games. He's played half the season. He's still not back for the Clippers. Like, um, you know, it, it, yes, we would have all loved to have Serge Ibaka back, and that was a regrettable decision, decision in retrospect. But we would have some of the similar problems right now just if Serge yeah. did resign because he would have played like half the year. So I think Raptors still value that position. Josh, what do you think? Like, do you think, I don't know, do you think they address the center position this season beyond Ken Birch? Yeah, I think that there's another, like, I wouldn't be surprised if there's, like, another timeshare in the center position, kind of like the first half of the 2019 season mm-hmm. before. Or the middle third of the 2019 season when Serge, Mark, and JV all started, depending on matchups. I think that makes the most sense, um, especially without the uh, like the opportunity to bring in a, like the Jared Allen dream is dead. The uh, what's his name in Atlanta that dream is dead too. Like I don't think that they're going to sign in this fringe All Star center to come and fix everything with of all of the team's problems. And I like him, and I think that he there are opportunities for him to start, but I, I would appreciate the Raptors bringing in a guy that um, can be a bit of more of a utility big uh, next season. I don't see that, like, there's no way that there aren't, that there's not an, a center in addition to Gillespie and Birch on the roster next season. Just, I agree. Know, don't see it happening. As for targets, I like I don't know. I think that the like money is going to be all over the place this offseason. I have no idea. Like I like Laurie Market, and it seems like he still wants to make a lot of money because the stuff he's good at, the Raptors can't do, and the stuff that he's bad at, there are so many other guys who cover those bases for this team. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree. I could like the thing with Laurie Market, and he shouldn't get the money that he's expecting because he's not at good. At, he's not good at everything he needs to be good at. But having a big who can pick up the ball at the three-point line and get to the rim consistently would would be the different for this team. And he rebounds, which I like. And he rebounds, yeah. yeah. Anywho. If Laurie Markkinen's like $12 million a year, I'm very interested. But if he's really trying to get 20-plus, which it seems like he still is, despite being buried on that bench now, yeah. what can you... Thanks, guys. I appreciate the feedback. And, Bill, thank you for all the reaction podcasts. Really, I think, got a big portion of the fan base through this forgettable season. So uh, keep up with the good work. Thank you both. Have a good day. All right. Thank you. Honestly, honestly, doing the, doing the podcast and interacting with fans got me through a large portion of the season. So, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's a two-way street. All right. We're going to bring in Devin from Guelph. Devin wants to talk about the big man as well, man. Let's talk about the big man. Yeah, yeah, just to build on when you guys are saying, uh, do you think we're going to roll with Cam Gillespie and Boucher as our three centers, or do you think we're going to want to put Boucher at the four and bring someone new and, like, we were talking about a utility guy? But I don't think marketing comes here. Where did he go? Like, he he's had a horrible season. And I think that, like, the Bulls are not – like, I don't know. I no, he's the fourth. He's the fourth string big for the for the Chicago Bulls right now. He's he's not coming back, man. Yeah, um, I, I he can't really expect to make big money this off season. I, I, I will I will say with Birch playing as well as he is, and I think that the you know I, I got this question on the the, the mailbag um, one day, which was um, you know do you think a lot of what Kem's doing is like Kyle Lowry inflated? I think Kyle Lowry helps every player, right? But. Yeah. At the same time, I've seen Kem successfully run pick and rolls with everybody. He has great chemistry with OG, with Pascal, with Malachi. He's found him a few times. You know, Fred's found him a lot as well. Like, he's just good. So I think Birch is a really nice fit. I really do think he's like a Amir, Amir Johnson type uh, player. And I think that obviously Amir, like, he, he had ankle issues that kind of limited his athleticism. But, like, he reminds me a lot of what Amir did. Unselfish, good passer, good defender too. It's just that you probably need a bigger guy to pair with him. Uh, as a backup for some of these bigger, bigger, true, true centers in the NBA. So I do think Kem is more powerful than center. But um, that's where Gillespie probably needs to prove himself. But if it's not Gillespie, then uh, basically, like, they've had, like, Serge and Mark, right? Di- different body types. You know, basically, um, they need a Mario and a Luigi. And, <laughs> and right now, Freddie Gillespie is Mario, and they have Luigi and, and Kem Birch. But you probably need a better Mario than, than, than Freddie Gillespie is at the moment, but... <laughs> How much would you really be willing to pay? You know what I mean. So, <laughs> I, so I think yes, they will they will roll back with these three picks. 
uh, to be honest. I think before they got brought in Cambridge, they probably would have gotten another uh, bigger addition, but I think Cam has been so serviceable that I think you're cool with rolling with him for like at least one or two seasons at this current production. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah but he's, I, I he's 28. Yeah. They need somebody young. Hello? I don't know if we still have... Yeah. Oh, hey, Devin. Uh, yeah, what were we saying? Oh, no, I, I, I think that works. We've got to see a lot of improvement from, from Gillespie, but, you know, he's still so young, and I, I like him at his size, too. He's a heavy guy, you know. Yeah. He's actually down with some of the big guys. Yeah, I like that he can. Uh, I like that he just gets the post position and then holds his like uh, holds his like position. It's pretty good footwork, and then just gets that little soft hook shot to flip over the the guy at the basket. It's it's not bad. I mean, obviously, he's going to need more than just like one standard hook shot move. But like, um, I like Freddie too. Good vibes defensively. He seems pretty capable as well. So, you know, for, especially for these bigger guys, like it's so hard for them to be nimble at at a big size. And I think that. With Freddie, he is pretty nimble too. So I, I like him for on multiple levels. Um, so I right, like Devin. seeing him switch. Yeah, no, he's been he's been okay on switches, which is really really hard for bigs. That's like probably the hardest thing for big men to do is being okay on switches. So, all right, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Have a good one. All right, thank you, Devin. All right. Well, last question: Who should who do you who do you want me to cheer for uh, this this uh, postseason? I've thought a lot about this, and my answer is truly nobody. <laughs> if the Raptors can't win the championship, nobody can win the championship. It's a fake championship. The Raptors are the last legitimate NBA champions. Okay, they are actual fans. They had three million people at the parade. The Lakers won the, the the championship inside of a freaking ballroom. Okay, and then uh, they had no parade for it because it was more responsible not to have one. Even though LeBron was like, "Damn, I really want one." LeBron, what are you saying, man? <laughs> what are you saying, bro? Just have what, a what are you saying? Just go uh, on Twitter like, Spaces like Kevin Durant. Okay, enough of this, LeBron. Be a responsible citizen. Okay, just say you know, Kuz has never been able to go to a parade. I'd love man. for him to have. <laughs> Um, yeah, in any case, and then this season, it's also going to be fake because, again, uh, you know, it, it, the Raptors didn't win, so it's fake anyway. Um, <laughs> otherwise, it's like Portland. I do see Portland, like, obviously, there's lots of parallels between Portland and Toronto, like, having that, like, those two guys, like, they even have like two great guards, and then they have a European big man in the center, <laughs> like, a, a big beefy euro in the middle and i'm just like yo this this is the raptors this is really the west coast raptors they're you know uh, above the 49th parallel okay if you want to just go geographically they're technically more north on the on the globe of the earth than uh, the raptors are in toronto um and you know they have like a lot of hipster fans like you know it's and now they have norm so you know it, they're really just trying to become the pre-championship Raptors. And I got to say, I will cheer for them knowing full ball in my mind that they're not going to do anything, but I will cheer for them. I mean, there's no Paul Pierce in the league anymore. So that's, that's like half of what antagonized the Raptors. <laughs> but you know, if, if like uh, the Lakers sign Paul Pierce, cause he's no longer with ESPN, then yeah, I'm, pro- I'm probably pretty worried about the, the, the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> what, where is Paul Pierce? I mean, you know where Paul probably, Pierce is at, man. He's, yeah, in his, nowhere, yeah. he's, he's in on his the life. same couch the last time you saw him, man. Oh my goodness. Um, I think I'm gonna be looking for the Knicks. I I don't know. It feels kind of right to be cheering for a team that's probably like two seeds too high and mm-hmm. two years too early to contend. Wins uh, the Atlantic. Wins the Atlantic. Like it just seems very Raptorsy. Like a fan base that has not that's like very drunk on its own success. Yep. Well, yep. that's kind of what I'm living with. But uh, let's end the show with um, our signature segment, Stanley Suggestions. I guess that's – it's got to be, right? It's got to be. I mean, it really, Malachi took it for a little bit, yeah. but it's really got to be Stanley Suggestions, which, by the way, the ultimate Stanley Suggestion was on the Raptors' YouTube channel. Stanley, in collaboration with, like, a Master MasterCard ad, yeah. was uh, supporting some local doctors and their family uh, with his favorite order of sushi from uh, a place in Toronto. So shout out, shout out Stanley Johnson, man. What a great dude. Like, honestly, just like, 
I know it's an ad, but it's still a really nice move to make. It's a really nice gesture, and obviously supporting frontline workers um, is is a very admirable thing to do at all times, especially in a pandemic. But shout out Stanley, this guy really loves Toronto, and I'm really happy he didn't. He wasn't just like, you know, here's our recommendation for what to do in Toronto, and it's like, yo, go to the CN Tower and eat at Cactus Club. Like, there's there's more to the city, I promise. Yeah, that's true. Um, for Stanley Johnson this week and for everybody, now that the weather uh, here in the GTA is improving, I'm looking forward to doing one of my favorite pastimes, which is to eat a slice of pizza outside when it's really, really hot. So the first really yeah. nice day of the year, I'm looking forward to, you know, after my work day, finding a pizza place in the neighborhood. I live close enough to Batondo's to go have a slice and uh, bake in the sun at like, you know, 4.45. It's one of my... You know, favorite memories of growing up in, uh, you know, in Rexdale is you'd get off the bus, stop at the pizza place, and you'd like run into everyone you knew after yep. that. And yep. in a year where it feels like I've been stuck at home for two years, and uh, you know, folks are starting to get vaccinated and head outside. It's one of the first things I'm looking forward to doing. In addition, like always, I recommend that if you're eligible for a vaccine, to go out and get it. Um, you know where if you are and where they're giving them out in your neighborhood. So you know, stay tuned. You don't need a updated health card, which is something that is a relief to many people, and there are lots of um, no barrier. Okay, but, uh, but but update your health card too, man. Like, I mean, what are you saying? Get your health card updated. Come on, it's literally free healthcare. All you got to do is go into Service Ontario and take a picture. You're trying to go into Service Ontario right now with everything going on. I, I went during the pandemic. Like it was like I went last. Uh, I, I, yeah, I went last October or something like that. It was quick. All it right. was fine. I mean, yeah, you got to be indoors for like 10 minutes, but it's it was fine. Yeah, I mean, first off, uh, the pizza thing, absolutely. Um, you're giving me La Rose Plaza vibes. Fact. Right? Exactly. Shout out to the Pizza Pizza and La Rose. Like, I, I don't even support Pizza Pizza just on principle, but like that Pizza Pizza and La Rose Plaza, like you got to, if you know, you know. And yeah, um, yeah like it's, 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 uh, we're, we're really spoiled for pizza in Toronto, though. We actually got a lot of good yeah. stuff. Um, my Stanley suggestion this week is uh honestly i'm, I'm just I, I don't care i'm gonna make it asian heritage month theme so vox did a really nice video um on the, the part of the reason why a lot of chinatowns look the same way it's, the video is called the surprising reason behind chinatown's aesthetic and it's on vox it, you can find it on youtube and it's really well done I, I to be honest i'm not a universal fan of the vox content i think some of it is politicized in a way that is very subtle but presented as facts which i don't really like but I think this one is really well done. It really goes through the history of Asian Americans and sort of the struggles that they have faced. The, I mean, I think sometimes people look at these things like, wow, um, Asians are getting brutalized in the street. And there's like, what is the reason for this? I can't believe this is happening. And it's like, when you really look into the history of this, like this is something that's been happening, especially in the States and in Canada for hunt, like over a hundred years. Like this, we're talking about like mobs and lynchings and all this other stuff. This all happened and specifically targeted discrimination. And so um, to me, like I, when I, you know the history, you see the re- repetition of the history. You don't actually see just like um, these things as isolated incidents. In any case though, this is a very interesting video because it covers like, you know, if you go to any standard Chinatown and I've been to like Chinatown in Havana, I've been to Chinatown in Buenos Aires or like Mexico City, every single Chinatown has those arches, right? You know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Basically the Chinatown arch is like the second most famous arch outside of like McDonald's. And like, Every single place has this. And, and part of the reason why they had this is sort of as a self-defense mechanism, especially in San Francisco, where they had to pr- try to preserve their neighborhood after, you know, again, racist forces tried yeah. to push them out of the city because this was now valuable land, which is literally what's happening right now in Toronto, yeah. Chinatown and many yeah. Chinatowns, uh, you know, across North America. So it's a great video. I think I recommend to watch it. It's called The Surprising Reason Behind Chinatown's Aesthetic. And um yeah, thanks for everyone for listening. I got a couple of notes from the producers. Uh, so number one, okay, shout out to all the callers who didn't make it through. I really appreciate everyone calling in. That's always super appreciated. We only have a limited amount of time and two lines, quite honestly. So if you don't if you don't call through, it's probably just you know a tech limitation based on what we have at the moment. Uh, please leave messages. You can do that. Um, you can call the number at any single time. And if you want to get your hot takes in, call the number. Uh, you can leave a message and we will play them on the next episode of the show, which speaking of which, we will have one next Monday uh, after the conclusion of the very, very fake and very, very depressing 2020, 2021 
pandemic Tampa Raptors season. So next Monday at, at 12, you can come watch us again. And um, yeah, Josh, anything else to say? Any other, uh, yeah. I don't know. No, take care of yourself. We'll see everyone on Monday. You know, if you don't decide to watch them play the, the Clippers tomorrow, I won't hold it against you. But do and listen. listen and, but if you, even playing, if, so what, if you what don't really watch the game, listen to the Raptors reaction. Read ten things. Sign up for the newsletter. Um, watch Raptors group chat. Listen to Dishes and Dimes. Yeah. Um, you know. Hopefully, it, you know, it's not too late to make up Mother's Day if you forgot to call your mom, grandma, grandma. It's, it's always, like every single day could be Mother's Day. Listen, yep, call your mom. That's that's the ultimate Stanley suggestion. Call your mom. Call your <laughs> damn mom. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. But you guys be good. We'll see you next week. All right. We'll see everyone, and then yeah, we're gonna leave it. We're gonna throw it to uh, this clip from this week's Runner Back. Thanks everyone for watching. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.